Hi, everyone. I'm Matt Lachlan. Welcome to the latest edition of the Devil's Pausecast as yeah, we've started the process to return to play. Unfortunately, it won't include the New Jersey Devils, but we're still calling this the Pausecast, which is what we renamed it when the NHL came to a grinding halt, as did the entire world, it seems, certainly here in the United States, back in March. Joined by my good friend and co-host, Amanda Stein. Amanda, how are you? Hi, Maddie. I'm doing well, thank you. Doing very well. Glad to have you. We do a pause in Canada, too, which is where I am. Yeah, I mean, it's worldwide. Let's be worldwide, honest. It's, yeah. it's a little a shout world... out to Canada. A little shout out to Canada. Yeah. <laughs> and that voice, it is a worldwide pandemic. That voice belongs to none other than Grant Marshall, former Devil, multi-Stanley Cup winner, part of the Devil's championship run as well, but also with Dallas. Grant, thanks very much for joining us. Matty, it's always a pleasure seeing you. You guys are awesome. What you guys do for this uh, organization, we're, uh, as a former player, we're very, very very lucky, very blessed. So thank you for, for all you guys do. Even in well, Canada. Th- <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm in Montreal right now. So. <laughs> well, well, okay. I know we, we kind of have our, um, okay. mm-hmm, I know. <laughs> Listen, Ontario, those are, Canada. Or yeah, no, Quebec. those are, those are old time. <laughs> all uh, good. All good. Border discussions that, that, that continue, but no, it is great to have you with us. And thanks for that that shout out, the content team's been awesome, uh, not only throughout the year, but particularly at this time, keeping us connected with the fans in so many different ways. And so it's really been awesome to be a part of it. All right, so uh, how does one get, you were born in Port Credit, Ontario, is that correct? Port Credit, Ontario, yeah. So, t- so tell me about Port Credit and how one makes the climb from Port <laughs> Credit, Ontario, which is probably bigger than I think, but uh, from Port Credit, okay. Credit to the NHL. Well, poor Chris is no town, you know. The, basically, I always say I'm from Mississauga, right? Which is funny. The Americans always say, "I don't how do you say that, Mississauga, right?" Just like people say, they'll say, "Well, where, where were you born?" I go, "I was born in, in Toronto." I said, "Toronto." I said, well, no, we don't call it Toronto. We call it Toronto. Toronto. It's not the best English, but, but that's how it is. Um, Port Credit is a good old town that I grew up in. Um, and, uh, you know, I started my hockey playing paperweight hockey in, in Port Credit, um, going to you know, school there as a kid. Um, that was my life. And it's nice going back home. Now, uh, last two years, a couple of years now, I guess, my mom and dad sold their, the house that we grew up in. And I grew up in and my sister. Um, and now they're more closer, Mississauga, closer to Toronto now in a, in a condominium. But it's, it's still those good memories going back there and driving around the town. What was it like when they sold the home? Because my wife and I, we're not considering selling our home in the near term, but it's on the horizon. And we have so many memories, the kids playing baseball on our side yard and football on the yard, hockey in the streets. We live on a quiet block. Uh, and, and those memories are sweet. So what was it like from you to right. see that door closed? From, and, well, you know, let's go, I'll, I'll first go back to kind of growing up there. And for me, that was a big part of, you know, like you said, we had the, the, the street hockey on the end of the street. My house was on the end of the street. Um, just that whole aspect of growing up, the big yard, having fun with the family, and that was always a great thing. I think the end part of it, though, was more harder for my, probably my dad, because for me, I left when I was 16. I went to Ottawa play. So really for the most part, my ties to the house wasn't so significant. Um, and, and not, and I really, I just was, I was growing, I'm 16 years old. I wanted to be a professional player. I went and played junior in Ottawa and my parents were the ones that really built that from the ground up and, you know, built, you know, grew my sister and myself into that home. But when I left at 16, so the memories aren't as, it was, they're great. The ones I have up to 16, but there was no real, Oh gosh, you know, I, you know, I missed the house. I, I was so focused on wanting to play hockey that I was, and being a kid, what do you, the house, right? You don't, you don't put that much <laughs> respect into the fact that you're, you're lucky with what you have. And uh, looking back, I know how lucky I was, but um, I'm sure my parents really, and when I talked to them, how it was, it was, a, it was a big transition for them. Yeah. It's more for the parents. You're right. So um, you do, Go, I'm sorry, Amanda, go ahead. Well, no, I was just, you know, I, my parents recently or a couple of years ago sold the house I grew up in. So I know those feelings. It was hard. And I lived there in, until like, I guess I was like 20. But um, you mentioned Ottawa. And that's something that I actually wanted to bring up because the Devils right now have this like 
huge connection to the Ottawa 67s because we've got several prospects uh, within that organization. And for me, growing up in Montreal and hearing about the OHL and hearing about the CHL, the Ottawa 67s are a, you know, pretty solidified franchise. So what was that like for you to be part of that franchise and play your early hockey there? Well, good question. You know, for me, it all came to, it was, it's a beautiful city, right? And it was all, it's all places, you know, we find being, you being Canadian, Montreal, beautiful old city, they're all beautiful cities. But from the hockey standpoint, you know, I, there's my, my two favorite coaches were, were um, one that, the late Pat Burns, um, you know, just amazing, amazing man, amazing coach, tough coach. And I always thought his twin pretty much in the way his coaching style was Brian Kilray, who was my coach in the Ottawa, the Ottawa 67s. And their mentality, their philosophy was, I think, the type of philosophy or style that I, I played, um, which really helped me um, transition going into uh, the pros and the minors and, and eventually in the NHL. Um, and that really helped, that, that mindset, that tough, tough love mindset um, what are you crying for type mindset go go do something about it you know and uh, that was the upbringing that I had in my it, it, when it comes to my junior career playing in Ottawa and that's my the biggest thing I could take from it what does that franchise mean to that city I mean especially before the senators are in that in that between area I think it's a big part of it you, you know it's I think the OHL as a whole is a kind of like a, a professional style of, of yeah. hockey compared to playing in college um, I think even at some points playing in Quebec League, it's a little bit, you know, more of a, I know when I'm, and I'm, I'm speaking from when I played. So it's a little more, more removed. A, more You're of right. a skill set, right? Now, you look at the way the NHL is, and it's all about the skill set aspect of it, where my style has kind of been, you know, it's, it's, it's the dinosaur age, and the, <laughs> which is the way it is. But, um, and then when they first, you know, when, when, these, when the Senators came in the league, they played in our building. You know, they played in, you know, the Civic Center when I played. So it was kind of that whole connection, which was kind of cool. And um, for the longest time, the Senators, um, I'm sorry, the uh, 67s were, were, you know, were, were Ottawa's team, hockey, hockey team, you know. Who were some of the guys from those early Senator teams that, like, you walked in and they were in the rink or they were coming in as you were leaving? You were like, wow, that's where I want to be. And yeah. there's so-and-so. Yeah, you know, the one player was, uh, it was a Neil Brady. I remember Neil Brady, who I ended up playing with when I was traded to Dallas with, for the Kalamazoo Wings. And I, I believe he got the first goal, right? I, 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 Blaine might be helping me on that one. The first goal in Ottawa Senators when they came uh, history with the history, when they came into the, right? I'm pretty sure. He, well, right? uh, yeah, right? like he, one for one. Please he, tell me, he, right? <laughs> he's leaning on uh, Blaine Sayers, our producer. So we'll get the answer here. But uh, I've actually. Yeah, that is correct. Neil Brady. <laughs> uh, and by the way, all, I remember Neil Brady talking to him about that. Also a former devil, by the way. That's right. He played right. briefly. He only, you know, played a handful of games with the devils, but at any rate, continue. You get bonus points if you can say, remember who he scored it on. Oh, you're evil. <laughs> Blaine makes it tough. By the well, way, Amanda, I can't, Dill I, mean, I can't, uh, uh, can't uh, um, very famous goaltender. Very famous. Patrick Wall? Correct. Bing, 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 bing. <laughs> there you go. So now, Woo! Blaine, what, what, what's, what's Grant's prize? Uh, he gets to come on the podcast again at a later date. I would love I that. I like that. I like that. I like that. Amanda, do you realize as we've gone along with this, have you noticed Blaine is becoming more of a part of the podcast? I, I love it. I have noticed that. And I think it's because now that we're doing it on Zoom, you know, people can see his name up there, even though his video isn't there. So you feel like everyone on the screen is a part of it. <laughs> I think Blaine, just running out of stuff to talk about, but <laughs> no, I've got never. plenty. I've got plenty. <laughs> I got plenty. And I know Grant never runs out of things to say. Oh, I try. This is with these years and everything, you know, I tell you, there's so much in here. <laughs> so Neil Brady, what was it about Neil Brady that caught your eye back then? You know, I think it was just a combination of, he was a, you know, it was definitely, and I mean this in a very respect, we're not a flashy player. He was a very awkward skating type player, lanky guy, but you know, um, a guy that just kind of did what you, you know, you needed to do to help the team win. And I think that was my style. Now I, I think we played a little bit in a little bit different way. I mean, I was probably more of the, 
um, I guess, finisher, more of a, I don't mean, I mean more in a physical aspect, a little more of a cleaner player. I don't mean in a, I was dirty at times. I meant more cleaner as in the way I, where I skated, where I played. He was more of a raw player. But he was an emotional player, which I really, really loved and respected. Um, but I think more just a tying in the fact that, you know, a few years after that, I get to play with him um, when I was, uh, I guess, my second year pro playing in uh, Kalamazoo. He, uh, he was drafted third overall in 1986, Neil Brady was, a highly regarded player. Um, Joe Murphy and Jimmy Carson went one and two in that draft. Zarley Zalapsky Zalapsky. went number four. The double Z man went Z number man, four. Yeah. Anyway, so you, but you don't make your debut because you got drafted by Toronto, right? Correct, yes. So how did it come about that you went from Toronto's organization uh, to Kalamazoo and then ultimately you came up with the Dallas Stars? Well, Matt, driving in my car to go work out at the gym, and this is serious, and it was the fan, the, the, the sports uh, station, it was on the radio, and it says the, 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 the Leafs have traded – uh, with the Dallas Stars, um, Grant Marshall and Peter Zezel for, for, for the rights to Mike Craig. And I'm like, hmm, right. <laughs> okay. That's me. So I'm going, <laughs> now I got to think, I'm working, going to work out, and I'm working out for now a different team, I guess. And then I, my agent called me and said, you know, this is what's going on. I said, I know, I just heard <laughs> 20 minutes ago. Um, and that was how I found out. And then the, the funny thing was, later on, not too much longer, maybe an hour or so after that, after that happened, Bob Ganey called me. And Bob Ganey says to me, he goes, hi, Grant, Bob Ganey. I go, hi, Bob, very nice to, nice to hear from you. He goes, so listen, you know, as you know, we traded for it. He goes, I want to start off by saying I've never really seen you play. <laughs> <laughs> that's like, comforting. Well, that's awfully not a good start for me now, is it? <laughs> So that's a little bit of a more uphill battle for me to make the team. But, um, and I said, well, I'm going to have to, you know, basically whatever I said, we're going to prove your, you know, show my, what I got to help this team whatever, and moving forward. But that was the, the start of it. And, uh, you know, it is. And then I, I, I went to, uh, went to training camp and did my, you know, did my, uh, my thing. They, they wanted to give me the opportunity. And I went to the minors for, for a year and yeah, it was, it was good. I had the coach there was Ken Hitchcock who's, uh, you know, who's one of the best coaches ever to coach. And then from then I, would, I took off, and I was very fortunate to play the rest, most, pretty much the rest of my career uh, up. The way you found out you were traded is very new school in a way, because now you hear guys, well, I first heard because of Twitter, or I first right, heard because right. I saw it on TSN, or, you know, so that's actually very funny that for you, it was the same way a lot of guys are here well, now. You know, I think it's – you ever get that feeling where it's like um, – part of it might have been for me, and it might have been for a matter of four seconds, like, my name was on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> it was like they, now, everyone watching the fan, because no one can, you love, they love their hockey. Yep. They heard my name. I just got traded. <laughs> you know, really, you know, yeah, your, like, mind, like, flips from bad. one side yeah, to I'll another. Wait, you know. Um, I do have I do have a question about Bob Ganey. I mean, obviously, growing up in Montreal, you know, I heard of the legend of Bob Ganey and how he played and what a pivotal piece he was really for the NHL and developing that style of play. And he was the GM here as well. What was that like meeting someone like him and playing for someone like him, especially being from Canada and probably right. knowing a lot about who he is? So extremely intelligent. Mm -hmm. And, and intimidating and I mean intimidating in a way like he I know what you mean when he taught I remember having coffee with him him and I he called during the season one time he goes, let's go have a coffee and I'm like I'm getting traded and we went and had coffee and it was really weird never had that before and we're talking and I've never met somebody that started with who's such an amazing listener it's actually kind of, it was like, he would ask a question, talk to you, and then he would let you talk and you talk. But where the part, he gets so, the questions he'd ask, I, I, I can't remember where they were, but, you know, it would be intelligent. But then the scary part is you'd answer the question and talk, and then there's that pause, like, we're supposed to converse here. I just, <laughs> can you ask He's listening. Would, would just keep looking and listening and wait to see. He wanted to see how you react, how you talk, and, and, I, and I'm a talker, I like to talk. 
but very intelligent. We'd be in practice, and he'd be right of the blue saying to he'll just call, hey, Grant, what's, uh, who's fifth in the, uh, in the East right now? Uh, wow. uh, uh, okay. Anyway, right? And it's like, it's, that's how he was. But he just, it was more like, and it wasn't like you used it against you. It was just more like the point was, we want you knowing, know the things around you, know what's going on and be aware of, of you know, what we're about. And, uh, and it was cool. Yeah, one of the all-time greats, Bob Gainey. By the way, uh, Peter Zessel, who passed away not too long ago, also a former devil. Uh, mm-hmm. He played briefly for the devil. So we're touching upon a lot of former devils here as we spend time with Grant Marshall. Okay, so you know we, we want to get to the devil side of your career, but we can't skip over 99 Stanley Cup championship and 2000 playing the devils and losing in the Stanley Cup championship. First off, was Brett Hull's goal legit <laughs> in 99? Yes. Okay, fair enough. So you're not giving that one back. Well, you know, like, well, I was talking about it. And re- he was it, in the crease, and yeah. at that time, if you couldn't have your skate in the crease. Other, if she was on the other foot, I'd be complaining too. So I, I don't blame okay. for complaining. I absolutely don't. It's really a tough – the league kind of made them really kind of – we're always told, told one thing, one thing, one thing, and then you run with it. When really the rule is if you – you know, at the end of the day, that's why they really had to come out with saying, listen, if you have – possession of the puck into your foot is in the crease, then it's a good goal. And it was just more of a common sense thing. But I don't blame Buffalo because, you know, we're, again, we're so ingrained in our head. This is, the, this is how this is how it is. But it's really a gray area rule. And that was what the hard part is. And I'm still going to stick with it anyway. So. Of course. Of course, because your name's engraved on the cup. And the truth of the matter is I don't know if Buffalo would have won. But – there was also no way you could see the league ever saying, hey, wait a minute. We got to bring Let's hey, keep that goal back. Every, oh, everybody back in play. I mean, come yeah. on. There's a celebration going on. So that wasn't ha- going to happen. So what was it like to get that cup when it was handed to you in 99? It was, I mean, you know, getting, I mean, I, I got, well, I, my, the dream is just to get drafted, right? Especially what I went through with my, with my injury, which I'm sure maybe we'll talk about. But um, I got drafted in the forum, right? One of the most famous arenas in the world, you know, especially at the time. So just getting drafted was such a, was a, was just an honor. But then you know, obviously to win a Stanley Cup is just oh my gosh, a dream come true. So I was just you know when I when I had the cup and thinking about skating around, that was such a great feeling. But the best feeling was when I was in the dressing room with my mom and dad, and uh, and hugging my dad. And my dad kind of hugging me. I have a picture of it. And he's kind of his eyes closed, like it, this accumulation of. You know, if it wasn't for them driving me at five in the morning to practice, you know, it wouldn't have, you know, this wouldn't have happened, right? Them pushing me and me, you know, me saying no to going out certain times to my friends and making sure that I get home and going to bed and doing my homework, doing these things and, you know, going that extra mile to try and be a better hockey player, even though there's no guarantee that you're going to make it. You know, I owed it to them for that. And, um, and that's kind of the reason why, I, you know, at the end of the day, I gave them my first Stanley Cup ring because of that, for what they did for me. And, uh, um, and that was the big part when you say in the dress, that, that you know, skating around was great. Of course, obviously, it's, but just being there with my dad and my mom, it was really cool. Where did you di- take your, oh, sorry, Maddie. No, no, go ahead, Amanda. Sorry. Where did you take your puck, uh, your puck, your, the cup for your day? Uh, well, so at the time I lived, I lived in Prince Edward Island, east coast of Canada, and it was the first ever bring the cup back. I, had, I lived in a village in, uh, called North Rustico, and I had um, for the whole day just at the, the little park that they had. Whoever on the island wanted to come and get pictures with the Stanley Cup, they could could have got pictures. So I had spent the whole day just taking pictures with people and them getting a picture with the cup. I had a they could give a couple donations, a couple charities that I had. So I brought it back there and just, um, and just chilled with it there. And it was really cool. It was good for the island because they, you know, they love, you know, they can't, all of Canada loves hockey. Um, I know the way I looked at it at the time, you know, being from Toronto, Mississauga, um, that's my hometown. People would say, well, why would you bring it to your hometown, your first cup? I'm like, well, the Stanley Cup's in Toronto every day. You know, it's, yeah. it's this is an opportunity that I could give them. Uh, give back to them that you know maybe cheered me on when I played, and uh, so it was, I thought it was kind of a cool thing to do. Very cool indeed. So, a lot of Devils who were on the 2000 team mm-hmm. lament <laughs> because they had a very good team in 2001. The opportunity lost, losing to Colorado in the Stanley Cup final. 
Is it the same for your Dallas Stars? Like you def- you're defending the championship, Devils beat you in six games. Do you feel that there was an opportunity lost there? What was that like to be on top of the hill and see another team accept the trophy a year later? Well, first of all, any time that you're in the final and you lose, it's an opportunity lost. You have just the 55th chance, right? So I think any time it's an opportunity lost. You know, we went into the, to the, to the finals that year as somewhat the favorite only because we won the cup the year before. But the Devils had a better record. Devils were probably a little bit better of a team, even though we had the same team. Um, we got beat. We got we. It was a e- fairly e- even team, but we got beat by a better team in that moment. And of course, it was hard. It was it was it was tough. But that you know, I I look back and people say, "Oh, you were able to win two Stanley Cups." I say, yeah, but I went to three finals. And to me, that's almost better than winning just winning two cups because I had that opportunity to win a third one. I didn't, but that doesn't take away the fact that I worked hard and I was part of a team that went to another for my third Stanley Cup. And I think that I try and add that to the, to the mix as well, even though it was a loss. And it's a, but it's, a, it's, a, it's an experience. I mean, there's so many people I bet you that's, you know, players that never, ever get an opportunity to get into the playoffs. And they say, well, I had the opportunity to go all the way to the playoffs and lose in the finals. As hard as that is, they could say at least they had that experience. Did you ever think at that point that you'd be on a Devils team that would win a championship, <laughs> your second? Did you ever think you were no. going to leave Dallas? Uh, I did. I, 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 I did because um, I asked to, to get out of Dallas. Um, it was one of those things where I knew there was more to me to help to be part of a team. I could give more. And Ken Hitchcock and I, and then three other players, we just didn't get along. It was, it was a tough. I thought I was giving what I could give, and I was, it was never good enough. And I didn't think it was growing to what I think I could be. Um, so I had a feeling that it was going to happen. And I went to Columbus, which was great. We had a team that wasn't very good, but I played a lot. I, I was, you know, I, I was one of the older guys. I was a leader. Um, and I had an opportunity to show what I can do in a, uh, more of my game. And, um, but I didn't think I'd get, I'd get traded to the devil. I remember, I remember getting the, the trade and, uh, I remember thinking to myself, the only real thing I know about the devils is when we played them, you know, we'd come in, whenever we played the devils, we'd be, we'd stay in New York city, we'd come in and play the devils and we'd go back or is when we played them in the finals in 2000. And all I knew was Seacockers. <laughs> so I mean, not, nothing against Seacockers, but that's the only thing I really knew. Looking across a maze of highways streaming by you from the hotel to the I live in New Jersey. Now I know living here all these years, there's so much more to New Jersey, which is a beautiful state. Um, but it was just that, that and then, you know, getting, getting traded, having an opportunity to win um, and be a part of a, a strong um, professional franchise, just like it is now. It, it, it was really a great feeling. Um, but can I tell you a funny story about I mean, after that, after we win the next year going into Columbus playing Columbus and that, that morning, I think it was that morning or the night before Daryl Sador, who is, uh, who I played with one, a cup with, um, good friends with, uh, got traded to, got traded to Tampa Bay. And just before the game going up for our warm up, Lou Lamorello comes in and says, Grant, um, and I was surprised he does because you know, Lou's very, you know, strict on everything. He goes, um, Come on here, Daryl Sador wants to just say, uh, talk to you for a second. I said, okay. And I said, I didn't know they got traded. And he goes, I go, hey, Daryl. He goes, hey, I just want to know, say bye, I can play tonight, but uh, I just got traded to Tampa. And I said, oh, I said, oh, that's too bad. I'm sorry to hear that. I go, he goes, yeah, it's going to be tough. I said, well, listen, just go do what I did. Have a chance to win. Go try and win it. And what did Tampa do? <laughs> they win the cup. So you just never know, right? It's just the way it goes. So how did you, you come to the Devils? Do, do, you, do, you didn't hear about it on the fan, did you? I did not hear about it. <laughs> no, okay. So, uh, so it was late in the season. Eating my, eating my pasta, I heard it. Eating my pasta because I was getting ready. I was in Columbus. I was, we were in Carolina getting ready to play the Hurricanes that night. And I was in my pregame meal having pasta when I got a tap on the shoulder. That's when I found out. Wow. Now, did you have facial hair at the time playing for yeah. Columbus? I did. So – we know Lou Lamorello did not continues to have the same opinion, does not like 
facial hair on his players except in the playoffs. Was that an initial part of the conversation, or did you know it was coming? And I knew that that well, I knew it was going to come. That was I knew that that was their, their the policy. But so I remember that that morning, the pregame skate. Um, I flew in that night, that late day, that morning. I said to, to Pat Burns, I said, hey, so I know you guys have a no facial hair policy. Do I need to shave it off now? And Burnsy being Burnsy, he, he, he loves to just to stir this. He's like, no, you're good. You're fine. You're fine. <laughs> don't worry about it. They'll, they'll do it. In the, we'll figure that out. Don't worry about it. So, okay. So then Lou comes now, the game, getting ready for the game, just before the game area. And Lou comes in, he goes, listen, Grant. I remember this. He goes, Go out there, do what you do, what we got here. Go out there, play hard. Do, don't worry, just go and play. Don't worry about it. I said, I got this. I'm fine. I said, oh, by the way, do, you want, do I need to shave? He goes, no, not right now. The game's going to start. So just after the game, make sure you shave, okay? I'm like, got it. It was like, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> well, the reason I, I bring it up, and, and I, I, I thought you did have a beard when you came. It's not that I remember that specifically, but I do remember a short time after you came, the Devils had what was known as a gold circle luncheon every year. And mm. the, the players would come uh, and meet with the gold circle members, which were the season ticket holders. That's how they were identified at the time. And it was a cool little thing because they knew players were going to be there, but they didn't know where the players were going to be assigned. There was a balloon hanging on one of the chairs at a table, but not every table had a balloon because there were more tables than, than players. So fans would get there early, sit at a table, hoping that Marty Brodeur's name would be called to join them or Ken Danico's or whomever, but they were happy to have any devil with them. Anyway, so when the introductions take place and everyone's sitting down and lunch has begun, I was sitting at the head table because I was emceeing the luncheon. And I remember like it was yesterday. They were playing videos of goals being scored or saves being made to entertain people during the course of the luncheon before uh, anyone got up to speak. And I'm sitting, maybe not next to, but he might be one seat removed, Lou Lamorello. And he looks up, and your face gets put up on the screen. But they hadn't had time to take your picture without a beard. So they took a Columbus photo, put it on a devil, your devil sweater, right? Which you can do that. And you could do that way back then, kids. (laughs) And, and, And there it is on the screen. And I remember the look on his face. And he turned to the then media relations director, Mike Levine. And I don't know what he said. It's clear he wasn't happy. I wasn't 100% sure what it was, but that's what it was about. He was like, how do we have this picture (laughs) up (laughs) here? Like, we should have had a photo with a clean shaven Grant Marshall. And that's just, that kind of tells you where he's at. I mean, we we played, we were in pregame skate. We had Sean Brown. Remember defenseman Sean Brown? Yeah. And uh, he had uh, his gloves. He had a new pair of gloves, whatever. And, the, and, this, and he had uh, it was more color black than red on the gloves. Had to go change them. <laughs> yeah, I can. Well, he had his shirt tucked in like a Gretzky for for skating around. He would tell uh, Billy Murray, our trainer, go tell him to take his jersey out of his pants like that. We, that's we all will. Which I, I get. This, I get. We're all we're all the same. We look the same. We're I, if that's if that's what you have. To, if that's a hard, the worst thing I have to do is shave my face. Yeah, and no, I agree. I agree. But he now, missed nothing. Oh, great. I have to shave it now. So <laughs> it's not a big deal. Misses nothing, though. That He, he missed nothing. Like, nah, you know. And, of course, it would be just perfect, though. He would look up at, at the right time. If he had looked up five seconds later, your image has gone by, and there's yep. some highlight, Kenny Danico hitting somebody. Missed it. But nope. that's also the charm of Lou Lamorello. Just when you think he's not around or doesn't see something, Bang, the timing is perfect. Uh, he is, he gets yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, he does. So now you win a Stanley Cup championship. Mm-hmm. And was that triple overtime goal? We're going to play a little. We're going to talk about it and maybe play back the interview. Triple overtime goal against Tampa Bay. Is that the career highlight from an individual standpoint? No, I think the for me it was the Jeff Friesen goal against Ottawa. Game, setting up the game winner. Yeah, that was um, – because there was a few – there was, you know – there's some internal things going on on the bench that, um, you know, just before that all came about that I would say would be the bigger highlight for me only because, you know, Jeff Friesen in the playoffs was my, um, was, was my roommate. And uh, you know, Friesen was an emotional guy. He's, you know, he's up and down, like, as we all can be. And, you know, in that game we were up 2-1 and, 
and uh, he gets the puck, goes down the blue line, far blue line, entering their zone, loses the puck, and Radic Bond comes down, scores, and it's a tie game, and, and he's freaking out on the bench beside me like a child, freaking out, he's almost crying, screaming, swearing, and I look at him, and I, I go, like, the emotion's getting better of him, you know, and I'm like, what is wrong? He goes, I just cost us, I just screwed up, and he's like, well, okay, yeah, you screwed up, do something about it. We've got like three, four minutes to go, whatever. Five. Let's just do something about it. Don't worry about it. Game, game seven in Canada, right? The winner goes to the finals. We know, you know, I was good at knowing what we have. You look on the bench, look behind, look who we have. Look how good we are as a team. Not as an individual, as a team. He just was so strut. I'm like, just go do something about it. But then Pat Burns, he hears me screaming at, at, uh, at Jeff. And uh, Burns goes, Marsh, what's the problem? I said, go talk to Friesen. So then he said, what's the problem? And Friesen said the exact same thing to Pat that he said to me. And Burns, Zachary says, well, then do something about it. Yeah, do something about it. And it just so happened we got to be on the ice together. I get the puck and go down. And, and I was able to make a, a fairly lucky pass through the legs of a couple defensemen to, for him to get the score. And I, I remember Thomas said, listen, just, you can't let those emotions get the better of you because it takes away from what you have an opportunity to be successful. Um, it's okay to let, I mean, it happens. We're all human. I, I, I mean, there's times I let it do too, but you have to kind of, you know, pinch yourself and say, listen, smart enough. Let's step back a second. Let's figure this out. And that was probably a really cool, cool time for me to be able to give somebody an opportunity to talk to them and to give them an opportunity to score. What's it like winning a second cup? Because a lot of guys, A, never mm -hmm. get the opportunity to win one. Right. But when you get the chance to literally hoist that cup a second time. Is it the same flood of emotions as the first time? How do they differ? Like, what is that like? I think they're always at such a high point in your life, whether it's your first or second or fourth or fifth or whatever it is. And, you know, you see these guys, Jordans win these six and all. It's always, a, it gets better and better. But the thing for me was, is when we, Winning your first one's obviously it's the first one. Because one of the chances, it's so it's, a, it's so hard yeah. to win. But I remember when the clock was running down, and I'm on the bench, and we're beating Anaheim. And I look down the bench, and I see Turner Stevenson crying. It was his first Stanley Cup, and I'm like, "That's how it was for me, my first one. I get it. Mm -hmm. like, it's because your second one is like, I did it again, right? And which is amazing. Yeah. When you can look back and say, he's probably thinking, like I did my first time, like all that work. Remember I told you at the beginning of the segment, yeah. my, my parents, all that work going to the rink in the morning. Wow, this is why I did this. Um, and that was, that was what was cool to see my, my teammate, you know, you know, who's a tough player, a, a physical guy, a meat potatoes type of guy, um, a comedian, uh, Turner Stevens, um, shedding a tear because it's, he's all the work he's put in, the injuries he's had to go through and all that stuff. And that, that's kind of where I looked at it. Kind of like Mike Peluso crying at the end of the game in 1995, you know, big, tough, rugged guy. And there he was, tears streaming down his face as the countdown was on. And that happened early. I mean, uh, it was obvious about halfway through that the Devils were going to win that game, halfway through the third period. And, uh, boy, he just started crying early. The emotions took over. Just, goal, goal scorers cry, and so do tough guys. <laughs> <laughs> that hey, they I'm do. I'm the crier in my family. I tell you, I'm the crier. My wife, she's, she's just cold heart. Just, just, just crying. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be tougher than that. Well, Did you give your second ring away as you gave the first to your parents? Or No, I have that. But my, my, my oldest daughter apparently has already claimed it. Okay, fair so, enough. We I do that, Grant. We do when that. I pass away, she's claimed it, which is horrible, but she's already said that. I try to explain, well, you were my first daughter, therefore you should get the first ring. And she's like, nope, like the devil's one better. <laughs> <laughs> I still have it. It's still, it's still in my, my uh, little casing. Uh, what a great, great memento. Well, anyway, we did have something queued up, and since we moved to the – championship or at least the Eastern Conference final and then discussing winning the second uh, we'll pass on it but I do remember being on the ice interviewing after that Tampa Bay triple overtime yeah. goal and the joy on your face just uh, for not only what you did but coming to a new team you hadn't played that much for the Devils because it was you know late in the season and 
here you are helping them uh, move on to the conference final, beating uh, beating Tampa Bay and then facing Ottawa. So it was a pretty pretty cool moment. And Freeze, yeah, Freeze had a great final too. Like right. he could – Even Rupper, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean Rupper, of course, in, in, it had the game-winning goal. But Jeff scored twice in that game seven against Anaheim. And just overall, like a, he – I guess he – you know, we know Jaguar got the 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 Conn Smythe, and it should have gone to Marty. But Jaguar was brilliant at the beginning. We, whatever. But Jeff, you know, people were talking about he he probably had a few votes for that too, uh, just because he he was terrific. Well, you know, you look back and well, for us, first with the goal situation, Jaguar played amazing. Give him that. But like yeah. Berdur, is the greatest goal ever to play of the game. But and Berdur says he can have that. I, mean, I think I'm pretty sure Marty quote me, but. Marty was like, you can have that trophy. I got the trophy that we wanted. Yeah. You know, and that's the ultimate trophy at the end of the day. Um, but if you look back, and remember I was talking about, we, weren't, we were the best team. Ottawa Senators were probably the most talented team. Um, we were the best team. Every round we had a line, whether it was Madden's line in Pandolfo, whether it was uh, my line with Gomez and Eliash, you know, whether it was Rupper and Freeze, you know, when Noondike was Herbert came coming in. Everyone chipped in in a series, whether it was our line, maybe in the Boston series, whether it was, you know, freezing in the final series, that's, that was the, that's the hard part of playing against a team like ourselves. We're so solid up and down the lineup. And when you have the greatest goaltending and the best defense, it's really hard to beat. doesn't matter how much talent it's hard to beat. You mentioned earlier, the injury that you suffered playing junior hockey. Um, can you take us through that? <clears throat> Some people, know the story i would say many don't uh and it really is one about perseverance some good luck as well and shows what you can do if you if you put your mind to it to overcome things right yeah it was yeah it was um i was playing for the ottawa 67s my my, my rookie year uh 1990 uh it was the 25th game um i think i was playing pretty good up until that point and we had a guy we had a, a road game in sudbury ontario Way, way up, up there. Way, way up there. Did, did, they, did they have the wolf there that would come out after they scored a goal? They do. They do. I think they yep. still do. I'm not do sure. They still do they still do that? Do. Wow. I don't know. Yeah, they have a stuffed wolf that comes down every time they score. It's really, it was so annoying, too. Uh, well, a quick story. It's like Doug the Harvey. cannon in Columbus. Yeah, right? <laughs> Doug Harvey, the late Doug Harvey, great defenseman, Hall of Famer. I think won the Norris Trophy like seven times. Anyway, Montreal played an exhibition game up there annually, and they're dominating. And But he scores an own goal. He scores against his own team, game's out of reach, and he comes to the bench, and I want to say the, goal, the coach is Toe Blake, but it doesn't matter. And he says, like, what the heck did you do that for? He goes, I just want to see that wolf come out one more time. <laughs> <laughs> it's a painful wolf. But they, I know. Sometimes it came out a lot. Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, so I was, uh, we were in Sudbury and I was playing, I played defense at the time and the puck got dumped into our goalie. Uh, he, I went to get it from him, but he pushed it to the corner and a player um, on the other team, a cross check from behind, I went first, head first into the boards Ooh. and um, where I was conscious the whole time. Uh, ended up getting to the hospital in Sudbury where the, I overheard, you know, the doctors were telling me that I, I, uh, basically broke my neck. I fractured my fourth vertebrae. I shattered my fifth and I fractured my sixth vertebrae in which I, you know, it was, it was hard. It was, it was the fact that your dreams are pretty much, pretty much probably done at that point. And my parents, my parents went to every junior game I played. They drove to every junior game I played except for that game because it was a massive blizzard. It was hard for him to get up that that that, night, that game that night. So when the doctors uh, called my family, my parents, to tell them what happened, my dad and my uh, my sister uh, had to make the trip the next day to come to the hospital to see me, and they did. And um, I remember this like it was yesterday. Uh, they they had to put a halo on me, so I looked like Sponge SpongeBob with metal bars, and they had me in a wheelchair. And my 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 dad. And my, my sister were wheeling me around just to get out of the room. And I remember when I looked, I got to see over, there was a, a young, young girl on a board, flat board, looking out the window. It was a beautiful, beautiful day. I remember this. And it was snowing out, just nice snow. And I looked over and I said, 
I said to the nurse, I'm like, what happened to her? He said, she came in a couple of days ago in a car accident. She's paralyzed from the neck down and she'll never walk again. Oh. And uh, I went, wow. And uh, here I, 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 I'm not paralyzed. I was partially at the time. I went spinal cord was bruised. I was fine, but I was okay. And it really, I was like, oh my God. And she's my age, might've been a little bit younger. I'm not sure, maybe a little bit older. And that just put my life into perspective. And then when I got air ambulance to Toronto, I had my surgery. And, and then after all that, the doctors came back and said to me, um, everything went great. You're going to be able to live a normal life. You'll be able to walk. You'll be able to drive a car. You'll be able to do uh, all the things you kids do. You'll even be able to play sports. But he said, the one sport I, I think and I recommend that you don't ever play again would be hockey. And, uh, so they told my parents that my mom said, well, you go tell Grant the same thing. And so See what he, happens. <laughs> the doctor came to me and he said the same thing. He went through the whole thing. He says, Grant, you know, got lucky. We, everything was great. Surgery was great. You're going to live a, live a long life. Your neck's going to be strong. We're strong. We're confident with that. You'll even be able to play sports again one day, but we really strongly think you should never play hockey again. And then he asked what I had to say. And I said, you know, I remember this. I said, I really respect your professional opinion. Um, thank you for everything you've done. Um, you said, I'm going to live a normal life, like all kids do. I'm going to also be able to play sports uh, again. And I said, well, then there's no reason why I can't play hockey because if hockey's just, hockey's just like a sport, like all other sports. So if you say I can play sports, then I can play hockey. And I'm going to determine what's going to end up happening with me. And he says, well, that's, you know, my professional opinion, but I just wanted to let you know that. And, you know, I worked hard. I, I, I've always, my parents, one thing I give them, they always, still a strong character in me I'm, I'm pretty confident um i'm pretty determined and i worked at it and you know four and a half months later during that season i was uh, i got a doctor i had to get a doctor's note because brian killary was not putting me he said i'm not playing unless you get a doctor's note i got a doctor's note and i came back four months four and a half almost four and a half months later and played in the playoffs for the 67 which was cool what was that process like from the time you're released from hospital to getting back on the ice. I mean, you touched on it a little bit there, but you know, what type of grind was that for you? Right, well, so for, for, for the first while, you just, you, there. I, even though I say I wanna play hockey, yeah, scared, I wanna play hockey, I wanna play hockey, but you really are, there's really, you know, you have, still have to have in your head, like, there's, so chances are I may not. Mm -hmm. So I am lucky that I'm actually be able to walk, I can walk and go have breakfast, even though I'm wearing these bars and all that stuff, and I can do all this stuff. Um, but then it got to a point where you're know, like all 16 year old kids after about a month or so, you're like, this is ridiculous, fine. <laughs> and then of course I get I'm back, back in Ottawa because they're going to school and what do I do? I can't skate. Well, they say I can't skate. And there were some kids playing pond hockey. Well, of course I got this halo on I put the skates on. I'm playing pond hockey <laughs> with these kids. An idiot, not bright. And I'm playing and I, and I, and I, I I'm, I'm good. I'm going to play. And, uh, and that's what I did. And then I got that opportunity to, uh, to come back and play. And the first person I went after on the ice, we were playing against the Oswood Generals, was Eric Lindros. Wow. And uh, I went right at him, too. A big, massive hit. And <laughs> at the end of it, he stood there, and I did a 180 face plant right <laughs> on the ice. <laughs> but when you can deliver that hit after all you had been through, after what doctor – like. Is there a significant moment, like even when that collision happens with Eric Lindros, that you're like, okay, this is going to go okay? So, you know, I think that was more the feeling for my family and, and my coaches and stuff. Right. I just got up and went, where's the play? I got to get back in the play. Um, and I guess it's part of being, you know, you're young and you just love playing, love, you know, you, you, I guess it's people might say, well, you're not respecting the fact that could have been hurt. Well, maybe I'm looking at it as more like I'm very lucky that I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to take advantage of that. I'm, can do this you know and um, I just went at it it's fun well it's a great story and you go on to not one not two but three Stanley Cup finals and win right. not one but two and uh, just what a marvelous career uh, what are you doing now to stay busy as we wrap uh, things just up taking care of my my my, my kids uh, one thing I'm doing is is I'm I'm losing weight I'm working out so it's kind of great <laughs> watching TV nice. in the living room working out and and I'm uh, excited to, you know, be doing this, be working, uh, you know, love working for the Devils. And I'm just excited to be a part of it. And, uh, and hopefully we can get, you know, we get the, the hockey back going and then we really get the Devils back, which I'm really excited for. I really think, you know, 
we've gone through some tough times, but that's part of it. And this organization, we're built to make, to keep going. We're, you know, from the top to the bottom, we know what we want to do. We're going to get there. We've got some great young talent. So I'm excited about being a part of that and watching that and, uh, and promoting it. Now, before, there's one thing I want to ask you about your post-career that has nothing to do with the Devils and everything to do with sort of Canadian type culture, because several years ago, you were on a TV show called Battle of the Blades. Right. Now, I don't know if that translated down to the U.S., but it's where the CBC, a uh, massive network that pretty much is Hockey Night in Canada, um, pairs professional hockey players with figure skating stars. What was it like to be on the ice in that capacity? And you could probably explain it better than I can. Well, at the end, I married my partner. So I didn't know that. So <laughs> well, there you go. She, she's you in did there, well. <laughs> she's in there doing her thing. So I married my partner, which was great. Um, you know, it was a net. So I'm all, you know, it was a challenge, right? It was, it was an opportunity to, 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 to do something I've never done before. Um, figure skaters are the, the best skaters in the world where they, where they, where they move on the ice. And my wife is a beautiful skater and strong skater. And, and I had to wear the figure skates. Danico had to wear the figure skates. Danico did the show the first season and he did an amazing job. And, and it was, it was a challenge and it was so different, so hard, but I wanted to experience that. And it was really, really cool. And uh, uh, to be able to, it's, 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 it's a different feeling. And you know, it, it it's funny because, you know, she, she's my, my wife has competed in two Olympics and talk about the judging and how that works. And then we're doing the show and we're, we were a pretty good team. We did well together. And then you get some of the, some of the scores, some judges. I'm like, an idiot. Kidding. She goes, I remember her saying, she goes, that's figure skating. You got to do it. You skate for the sake of skating. You can't skate for the judges because you're not going to get any love. And I'm like, this sucks. I couldn't do this. I'd be fighting the judges. I'd be, I said it was, she goes, that's just the way it is. I'm like, I don't like it. I want to go back playing hockey. At least I can do something more about it. But what a great challenge, a great feeling. It was, it was different, you know, skating in front of, you know, we played in front of 17,000 people, you know, and it's a big, you know, you got 23 players on the team and, you know, six, you know, five on the ice. And here it's, you got in the, the live show, you had over 2,000 2,500 people right on top of you there. And, and you got to perform and I'm in a tuxedo skating and figure skates doing a routine. And it's just, you know, Sinead and I, and uh, it's like, because you know, the funny thing is, you know, going in it, we're in the backstage, you know the crowd isn't really looking at the professional figure skater, because they're not going to screw up. <laughs> they're waiting for us to screw up. So now you really, so out of the 2,500 people, 2,000 are just looking at me. So, <laughs> oh my word. But it was awesome. Great feeling. It was uh, hard work. They work so hard. As hockey players are wimps compared to what they were, how they work. <laughs> you know, I, I've never seen figure skating in person, but I want to. It's it, it may seem like an odd bucket list because I've seen it on television. I think like hockey, you probably appreciate it more in person because mm -hmm. of the speed and the athleticism that maybe does to me doesn't translate as much, perhaps. I mean, I do. I, I'm impressed by what they do and I respect it, but to see how fast they go from one end of the ice right. and then well, you know, make some move, when like I would blow privately, me away. When I teach it privately, uh, man, same thing. I kind of teach that same aspect. It's all about your edges, all about your knees and the, and the power, because they're so powerful on how they skate and to maximize your edges. There's no, um, Skinner for, uh, for Carolina. Buffalo. Or, yeah, Buffalo or, now. Yeah. Skating, or Buffalo now. Sorry. Uh, for figure skating. Uh, he's a, he started off figure skating, you know, so, it's, 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 it's a tool that's so important because you, once you can be stronger on your edges and your, and your knee bending and the power, you're going to be that much better of a skater. Uh, I wish I would have figured it out sooner because then I might have been playing longer, <laughs> but that's, that's another story. But then um, if you're playing longer, you might not get the opportunity to be on. That, well, that's you know, and meet play. your wife. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So, you, you know. You also see the one you, get the, you can probably YouTube it. Um, she lifts me in the show. Right in the air, let's be all up in the air. It's crazy. I mean, it's stupid. There's not now, right. Figure skaters aren't right. Did you ask her out during the show or after the show? Kept exactly. the it was after. after. <laughs> so all, well, all professional first. Oh well, yeah, I got other things to worry about. I'd learn to skate on these uh, figure skates first. Yeah, exactly. Figure all that out. Well, listen. When we do these podcasts, 
we never know where they're going to go. Uh, and we wind up talking about Port Credit Ontario at the beginning. And we thank end you up. For, thank you, by the way. Port Credit. Love for Port Credit. Thanks, buddy. And we end up with how you met your wife and the respect that you have now even more so for figure skating. It's awesome. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know. With a couple of championships in between. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Yep. Yep. She, we always laugh. She went to two Olympics. I go, yeah, but I got two rings. Uh, <laughs> um, but did, did she, did she win bronze medal though? She would no. She was, uh, she, out of, uh, 24 competitors, she was, I think in her first Olympics in Turin, she came 10th with okay. her brother, she skated with her brother in, in ice dance, in ice dance. Uh, and then she, and then she finished eighth in, um, in Vancouver. Okay. Um, but they were seven time British champions and she's from Scotland. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, she did, but uh, I think they came, she scored, actually, I think she raced one bronze in Europeans. I think it was bronze. Oh, is that what? Okay. Okay. Yeah. So was I was wondering if there, if there was like a metal ring showdown. I well, got my, I have my two, I mean, see, I, I have, I can't really, something can tell you, see, I've, my Stanley cups were kind of right there. Yeah. I, I can see them. I her to put a couple of her medals around the neck of the Stanley cup. Listen. Love on that got to keep the the fires burning bright so do the right thing um, yeah it's it's been fun um but can i just i wanted to say before we uh before we ever go i wanted to just you know touch base we kind of were talking back before we everything started is that you know the time that we're going through right now um is is different right it's it's a it's a challenging time for everybody involved but you know speaking on behalf of my family you know my kids and and obviously my hockey family, the Devils, you know, the organization that I love, that I love being a part of, you know, we really want to thank, you know, all the first responders and the, the nurses and the, you know, the care providers and the people that are really, you know, I know you see it a lot, but they still don't get enough of the love. And I know this organization, the Devils organization cares so much about what they do for us. And I know you do and we do. And I think we need to, you know, in the, the pause cast to, to acknowledge the fact that um, I'm healthy, you're healthy. My kids' family is healthy, and it's because of the, the people that take care of us. And they need more love than they. They're getting a lot of love, but it's never enough. So I just wanted to say that. No better note than that to wrap things up. Uh, well said, Grant Marshall, and thank you very much for spending time with us today. Thanks, guys. You guys are the best. Grant Marshall, our guest on the uh, pause cast, Amanda. It's so about an hour. I don't. I didn't think we were going to go that long, but we had some great stories. That was really fun. The Battle of the Blades thing for me—that's what I really wanted to know about. Because uh, YouTube, you'll laugh. YouTube. Oh, oh, I will. Don't you worry. <laughs> oh, it's such a Canadian thing. YouTube. It is. But it's okay. It's all we'll good. Give, it, we'll teach you. I'll, we'll give you a free lesson. She'll give uh, you a free lesson, Maddie. Fair enough. By the way, I love Canada. The people are great. It's a it's a chill country, and I love it. But at any rate, that's for another podcast yeah. or podcast. On that note, we will wrap things up. Amanda, as always, great to have you on board. Looking forward to the next go round. You too, Maddie. Great to see you. And once again, thanks to our guest, Grant Marshall, for sharing his time and his stories. And that will wrap things up for this week's edition. Thank you very much for your company. We'll see you next time. Be safe. Be well. I'm Matt Lachlan. Bye-bye, everyone. <laughs>